What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Rockcast. And today I have Ryan Avery, Ryan the Banhammer Avery, on the other <laughs> line. And uh, I wanted to get him on to talk about kind of starting into long range. Like, long range is becoming more and more popular, but a lot of people just don't know where to start. It seems really confusing, and there's all these freaking numbers and stuff. But really, it's uh, it's pretty simple. So I'm just going to hand it over to Ryan, and yeah, thanks for hopping on. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Um, one of the things I'll, I'll kind of preface this is, I'm not your guy if you're the guy that's 1,400 yards out of the box because I think that's kind of a misnomer. And I'm going to talk to you like on 101 of shooting long range. And and at this point on 101, you need to have already either got with somebody that knows how to shoot long range or you've been to to a school because I'm not going to be able to help you on your fundamentals over a podcast. So you kind of got to have those fundamentals going into it. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that people don't preach about and Jordan's been on the long range side enough from her previous job with, um, what the heck's the name of that company? I lost my best of the West. What's the name of that company you work with Jordan best of the West. They definitely, they know, they know what they're doing over there. And, uh, I think that the two main, the three main factors to me on shooting long range is obviously having a rifle that I'm going to go out on a limb here. And most people won't, most people may not agree with this, but, I've seen it in action enough to know that it works. You don't have to have a rifle. So step one being a rifle that can shoot under one minute. And people will say, well, I need a rifle that shoots under a half minute. And I think if you back up and you define what is long range to me, anything past 600 yards, I consider long range. Anything past about 1,000, 1,100, I consider extreme long range shooting. So I'm basically going to talk more about long range hunting between six and a thousand yards. And for that, you do not need a 0.3 or half minute gun. You just need to get yourself a good one minute or less rifle. There's a lot of guns out there like the Tikas, some of the Savages, some of even the Weatherbees will easily accomplish that, that one minute mark. Um, so you don't have to jump in with a full custom five, six, seven thousand dollar custom rifle to get into this game because on the back end of that, and I'll talk about it a little later, you also have to be able to get to the range and prove that you can actually hit steel or rocks at that six to a thousand yards. Um, Jordan, did you did they do much talk about any of that when you were in that long range filming site or did they over at Best of the West say you had to have a one minute or a point five minute gun? Well, it was a little different over there because they were making their own rifles, right? And all of those were pretty much right. under half minutes. Like, I think I have I have a 65284 that they built for me that's like a, I mean, legit, it's like a freaking quarter minute gun. Like, I, you know, I went out with them when they shot it, um, when they shot the data for it, and that thing's a, a tack driver. But one of the big things that kind of they taught me was, just like you said, you need a, a pretty good shooting rifle. But for the long range stuff, yes. it's not really your rifle, it's your kind of optics and then it's yourself, how you apply that and how much you practice and know, basically know your system. That, that's my thought process on it. And I've been, I've had the cheap gun shooting long range and I started shooting long range probably 2006-ish. And I've had the full blown, you know, with the scope, $10,000, $12,000 set up. To me, I would rather have the, you know, we're talking to the basic shooter here. I'd rather have you buy a Tika that shoots 
one minute or less. Cause I'll tell you this much. If you get to the range and you start shooting five to 10 shot groups, 99% of the time, the shooter is not going to be able to shoot a half inch at a hundred or a half MOA at a hundred. They're going to be shooting that three quarter minute to a minute. So buy a gun, you know, get, get it to the range, start shooting, try to get, you know, that, yeah, I'd love to shoot a 0.5 every time or a 0.3, but reality is I'm not going to be able to do that every time. To me, I'd rather have you buy a Tika for six or 700 bucks and then spend double that on a quality rifle scope. The rifle scope is always going to be the weakest link in all long range shooting because it's going to be the one that fails the most. So the cheaper you go, the more you're going to have that failure problem. The more generally with most optics, the more expensive you go in that long range scope. You know, I'm talking Night Force, the X5 Swaro, um, Maven just came out one that I've been testing that's working pretty good. Get one, you know, get on the internet. You know, there's a lot of BS on the internet, but if you go to a good quality forum like Rockside or Long Range Only, you'll, you'll be able to see what scopes are working for people that actually shoot two, three, four times a week. So to me, it's better off buying the cheap gun, you know, that shoots well. And most guns, even most factory rifles shoot pretty well and buying a scope that's double that, you know, you want to spend 15 to $2,000 on a scope or even more to get a good repeatable scope. Cause the thing with long range hunting that the, you know, the difference between long range hunting, you know, 600 and plus and 600 and under is I could pretty much get away with any scope and just hold the sub tension, you know, holding the reticle 600 and under and have no yep. problems. Once you start, yeah, once you start passing the 600 yards mark, I want to dial because it gets real funky to me. And you can back me up on Jordan if you, if you've uh, seen this. If I got to hold the elevation, so I'm holding seven or eight minutes or 10 or 12 minutes, and then I got to hold wind. So now I'm completely off the animal. And to me, even though I have, say, I have tick marks on the axis horizontal, I still am holding off in the air, hoping that I'm in the right subtension in that scope have you ever tried that jordan yeah i wouldn't say i've tried that i guess over 600 except for maybe like on a coyote or something like that but yeah it's just not it's not the same like i think what deters people from wanting to do the the longer range stuff or i guess more specifically you know dialing a turret is it's just it seems like it's a monster but it's you know it's really not especially with like the binoculars and the range finders that we have now that you can kind of just input that information and then it'll basically give you a dial and i mean right. just using a drop chart that'll just give you the moa you need to dial i mean it's not it's not that hard to figure out you just kind of have to you know make yourself learn it and it's not going to be such a monster anymore no not at all and the the thing that it kind of if you get those scopes and you're holding the reticle instead of dialing and you do get out in nowhere land and you break that shot and then the animal moves and you got to reset up then you got to realign it all and 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 people always try to explain it to me that oh I can shoot faster using the reticle and you know PRS guys do it but they're more adept at it the most the average guy out there rifle on even long range isn't going to put in five, six, seven, eight thousand shot like the PRS guys do when they hold over. But anyways, getting back to the point of it is I dial everything. I dial everything from basically 300 yards out and then I hold wind in the reticle. So it kind of simplifies. So I dial, hold wind and then make the shot. And getting back to the, I guess the 
core of what I'm trying to get out is, so I got the cheap rifle, not cheap rifle, but I got a rifle that's seven, 800 bucks. And then I have the scope that I, I believe will dial. And then you got to find a different, either you got to find a ballistic, you know, calculator on your phone, or you got to use a, a range finder. If we're staying on course with, you know, long range shooting 101, I would just get a good range finder and then for a while use your phone, a ballistic calculator, and uh, use that to get your dial up in your shots. Because I think the most important thing that everybody doesn't talk about is you need to get to the range and shoot. Oh, 100%. I hear everybody, you know, what's, yeah, which caliber should I buy? Which scope should I buy? Should I use a 300 short mag, a 7 mag, a 300 PRC, a 6.5 PRC? Well, they, they, they're not going to put in what makes me cringe is I watch it every year on YouTube. There's all these YouTube channels coming out with all their hunting this year. And you got guys telling you that they shouldn't shoot the shot before they even shoot the shot that they know they're going to miss that they shoot because they don't take the time. It's I watched it today. And they don't take the time to go out and actually shoot that gun enough to know when not to shoot. And I think that's the point you need to get to. You need to shoot enough to know what the conditions are, to know when you should not be breaking a shot. There's some days I shoot every week, and there's some days I won't shoot 600 yards at an animal because the conditions, I can't tell what it's doing. And you got guys out there that are buying these higher-end rifles or just they're buying rifles, putting them together, and they're going hunting a week after they put them together. And I think that's that's where we're going wrong, and nobody's really calling that out. Yeah, 100%. And there's even... You know, if you, you know, input your data into a, you know, a software or something, you print out your, your data sheet, like you might go out to a thousand and it tells you to dial whatever MOA and you might find that, Hey, I need like two more clicks elevation or something. Like, do you want to find that out on a deer when you blow its leg off or like go out and shoot it first? So, you know, and you can make those adjustments beforehand and then, like, you, you're solid, you know, like, your confidence level goes yeah. up, too. Yeah, that's validating the rifle. And so, if you now that we backtrack, we have the rifle that shoots good. We have the scope that we trust, and it dials. You have your ballistic software. The next step is getting a solid 200, or solid, sorry, solid 100-yard solid zero. I like a 100-yard zero because I can check it anywhere. Uh, you get a two or 300-yard zero, and it's really hard to check out in the woods. I think the 100-yard zero is underestimated. And once you get a good 100-yard zero, there's there's a couple things you have to do after that before you should go out and go hunting. you got to get a solid, solid muzzle velocity, and you can obtain that with either a good quality quantigra- quantigraph or, like you're saying, going out and validating it at six, 800 to 1,000 yards. Yeah. And that, in my opinion, you're you're disrespecting the whole animal. If you don't go out – at any distance you're willing to shoot at an animal, you need to validate that distance before you pull the trigger. And I see it over and over again where guys are shooting 100 yards or 200 yards zero and they're getting their muzzle velocity. They're not checking that six, 800 yards. And a lot of things can come into factor that you are messing up or you may not have the right velocity. And they're going out and shooting that and they are shooting the deer in the leg or they're shooting them in the ass or the guts. And I think that's where you start. we start to see these videos coming out and it puts us in a really bad light because a good long range shooter, you know, and I've seen them, I believe I am one. If I have an 800 yard shot and the conditions are right and I'm pulling the trigger, I have a 10 times better outcome than a guy running at a buck shoot and across the field at 200 yards. 
But when these guys are just spraying and praying at six, seven, eight hundred yards that haven't validated their system and dinks are haven't shot enough, I think that's that that's complete crap and that's what we want to get away from. So that's why I'm kind of telling everybody they need to do those steps. Get the gun, get a good scope, validate that scope, validate it at distance, and then go out and go hunting. Don't you know they're putting the cart before the horse, I guess I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I guess something I, I just want to say for I guess some of the, I don't know, you know, long range is unethical to a lot of people, I guess, just because it's different. I, I don't know. Everybody has their different reasonings. But so I filmed for Best of the West for four years and I was on a lot of hunts. Like, I don't know. I mean, eight to 10 filmed hunts at least per year. And so I did that for four years and legitimately i mean we were shooting i think our farthest shot um joe shot an antelope at like 12 something and i think the only animal we lost was um we hit a tar like too high we just hit him in no man's land Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. was like from 500 yards and i've seen that shit happen at 50 yards so but legitimately (laughs) out of all the you know, there's been like times where you had to shoot again or whatever, make a little bit of a wind adjustment, but legitimately that's all we had in those four years. But I was shooting with guys that shot all the time and were super familiar with their system and Mm -hmm. knew what they were doing. And if you, if you do that and you make sure you're good with your system and then like you said, know when not to shoot, I mean, it's, it's an effective way, especially kind of out in your neck of the woods when you can either see 20 yards or you can see 500 yeah, ethics, you know, ethics are a funny thing to me because I truly believe ethics should start with yourself. And I bow hunted, I stick bow hunted from 1996 to 2005, 2006-ish. And <laughs> ethics are funny because if I was to say out of use doing the two different disciplines now, a stick bow is very unethical for I would say, and people probably get on me about this, 80% of the people have zero, zero business shooting a stick bow because I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've helped people track. I've actually been, if you go back and listen to some of the Avery Ventures podcasts, me and Aaron Snyder kind of went through my first season as a stick bow hunter. It, it wasn't great. I really have, I've lost one animal. I found the animal, but I've lost one long range hunting. I lost three hunting with a stick bow. So you can't tell me that a guy that knows what he's doing uh, with a long range rifle and he's, he's ethical and he's honest to himself is, is uh, less ethical than a stick bow hunter or even a bow hunter, a compound bow hunter. I find maybe an elk a year and I'll look through the bones and there'll be an arrow in there. So the ethic things, I, I get irritated with that because the ethics start with you and should finish with you. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah, 100%. So kind of going with some of the gear that you might need, what's like, what's an app that people can, you know, put on their phones or a software that you can start with to like input your, oh, like in, input your load data basically and your bullet or the your velocity. That, the two I've used the most is bullet flight and I've been, and I haven't used that in a while, but I hear that it's, they haven't been updating it, but I started with bullet flight. And if you want a good app to start as cheap as shooter, and if you have a little more money, applied ballistics has an app out there. That's kind of an addition to shooter, but shooter app is where I would start. If you're one one just getting into it, don't want to break the bank. 
that's a great app for both iOS and Droids. Cool. Then and then what I oh, what I ahead. moved on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was we were probably going to talk about the same thing. Taking that a step further with you know the new rangefinders that everybody has out. What what's your kind of preference for a rangefinder now that can input all that stuff? If you like having a separated binocular and then having a rangefinder separate, a lot of people have that, so they don't have it all in one. Um, the uh, 2400 kilo from SIG is is really hard to beat. People have jumped on the Leica bandwagon, you know, yeah. rangefinder by itself. But mm, I haven't – Leicas are funny to me, and a lot of people like them. But the SIG came out first. I think they've updated it enough. And to me, I really, really like the SIG Kilo 2400. If you're into binoculars with rangefinders with, you know, what I call a smart binocular that gives you the dial-up and some give you the windage, the Leica or the uh, the, the Zeiss Victory rangefinders. I use the Zeiss uh, Victory rangefinders because I like the way that their their app works and I like, it, it seems to always match the Kilo because I have both the Kilo. It matches to my app. I use the shooter app a lot. I put those all in and they're all within a quarter minute each other all the way out to 1200 yards to where I'm constantly tweaking the Leica app to get it to work right. So I prefer the Kilo 2400 or the, the Zeiss rangefinding binoculars. Awesome. And then, you know, I guess the next step further would be the scope. What if, um, I know, I think it was the X5 that was on that 6.5 PRC when you were here. Yes. Yeah, so I've shot between me, Tanya, and a couple friends. I think we're over 30 animals with uh, that X5, and it's done nothing but just knock animals down all the way out to 1,200 yards. So I really like that because I have the non-illuminated version, which I don't think they make anymore, but you can still find them on the classifieds and on eBay, and they come in at like 27 and a half ounces because you're fighting two things. You want a scope that you know you can trust and is durable, and usually that means not being exactly lightweight, but you don't want to, you know, some of the, like the Vortex Razor Gen 2 is 48 ounces, and we do a lot of backcountry hunting, and I don't want to pack around a scope that weighs almost three pounds. Yeah, no. So my choice, yeah. but there's a lot of offers coming out now. You have the Z, the X5, which I've probably used the most in the last couple of years. You have Maven just came out with their RS3, which... I've tried to break it, and it's just kept on tracking for me. And then Night Force came out with the uh, NX8 and a and a two and a half to twenty and a man four to thirty two, which is an amazing zoom range. And both of those scopes are twenty five to twenty eight ounces. So those are the three options I've been working with the most. But there is other if you're in the budget budget uh, end of the the uh, long range shooting, like you're just getting into it, you're a college kid, or you just can't afford it. The SFWA, I'm messing that up. F SFWA, I think it is. They're super sniper scopes. Not the greatest glass, not the greatest features, but they dial each and every time. So check that brand out if you're on the budget end. Sweet. Yeah, and a, a good this would be a good time to bring up like the Rock Slide forums. Um, but I just want to make the mm -hmm. disclaimer that if you jump on there just to use the classifieds, um, you're gonna get banned like yesterday. So don't do that. Be a part of the community. Yeah, if you come on there solely to, to work around the system, you're, you're not going to last long. Get in there. Get your 10 posts. Be part of the community. It's super simple. Because I always hear this, and this is getting off tangent of what we're talking about, but yep. I always hear 
oh, I, I don't have nothing to say. I'm quiet or I'm shy. Anybody can go to the FNGs with the FNGs mean FN new guy. And you can say, oh, thanks for joining up. Thanks for coming. And I guarantee you, if you're a hunter, there's going to be a question in one of those forums that you, you can either help out and answer or you can ask another question. It's not 10 posts. And a lot of people get this confused. You don't have to start 10 posts. You just have to have 10 posts or 10 replies or, you know, one or the other. And you can get your PM and you can start using the classified. And we solely do that for spammers because we got so out of control in 2018 with spammers. We had to do something to kind of slow them down. And this is working. Yeah. Yeah. Copy that. But back to, I guess, back to what we were talking about. Uh, and then kind of moving on to the base thing that you need, which is your rifle. What could you kind of split it up into a couple different tiers? Like, first of all, you don't need to spend 10 grand on a system. You don't. No, no. No, the Gunworks. No, Gunworks wants you to believe you have to buy that, yeah. but you don't. Yeah. So, like, I mean, a rifle and a scope. Would you come in like twenty-five to three thousand? Would you think would get you a pretty solid setup? So my my first long-range gun was just a regular old Remington, uh, seven hundred, uh, three hundred Ultra. I had a little. Um, I don't know what the name is, but you can buy these little things that go on the buttstock. They hold ammo. And then you can also shove like little pieces of padding to, to make the comb a little higher. Because the problem you have with, you know, cheaper rifles have straight combs and the bigger scopes you get make your the eye relief, not the eye relief, but the distance between the bore and the rifle scope farther apart. Yeah. So you have to build up that comb to be able to shoot through it. So anyways, the, I had a cheap Remington 700 and I had a, a cheap, um, I can't even remember the name of the, the scope that I had. And I shot plenty of animals at six and seven hundred yards. So, you this day and age, it's, it's even better. You can buy a Tika, and I think you can get a Tika for seven hundred, say a three hundred Win Mag, and you can put on those Super Sniper scopes. And I think you'll be into it all up for like eighteen hundred bucks. Damn. And you'll be able to go. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous how far we've came in such a short amount of time. When I was getting into it, there really was no great scope for under 800 bucks and those super snipers are great scopes and i think they start at you know you can get it on sale for 400 ish bucks for like a 10 power and i believe they go all the way up to nine thousand bucks for uh, the higher magnification range but you can be shooting a good rifle with a scope that dials for 1800 bucks i would say the next level up would be probably like a christensen arms mesa or a christensen arms ridgeline yeah anywhere between that 1200 to 1800 bucks for the gun and then you can get a like the rs the rs3 from maven is i think it's 1600 bucks but don't quote me on it and you're into that gun you know 25 to 2800 bucks and i don't think you really need more gun than that and there's all kinds of different calibers you can shoot anything from 6.5 up to 338 and uh be banging still out to a thousand with ease yeah and i mean you know even like the 12 to 1800 dollar mark that's it's a you know it's a lot for some people and you might be like dang I'm, I'm never gonna spend that much money on a rifle but at the same time you get something like a seven mag that's like an everything gun you could buy a tika seven seven rem mag and throw that that super sniper scope on it and unless you're a gear hound like me and you you would have no problems hunting every elk or deer bear moose for the rest of your life with it I would add that you need to, if you're going to take those extended range shots, you need to do what we talked about earlier and 
get to the range and, you know, pop some primers and know what your gun's going to do. But I used to always say that hunting, long range hunting was super expensive and every year it gets lower and lower and lower to uh, get into the game. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, real quick, I want to touch on scopes. Like, are there certain ones that you would stay away from, from the way that the turret dials? I know some of them are like uh, spring driven and sometimes those will seize up. Whereas like some other ones are like gear driven. They're a little, a little bit more, um, I guess, reliable, accurate, if you want to say that. Say this as nice. I'll say this as nice as I can. Any scope that I've ever used personally, there may be one out there that's under twelve hundred bucks. That isn't a super sniper scope. I wouldn't buy it for long range hunting. The 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 cheapest scope that I would probably buy that, and like I said, this is what I know of. There may be out there. I haven't tested it. Is the RS three is probably the lowest level that I would buy to shoot long range. There is, so basically what, what Jordan's talking about is you take, there's some that are coil driven. It's the erector tube and there's some that are spring driven and there's a debate on which one works to me. The most, probably the most consistent rifle scope on the market is probably the night force. And it uses a titanium leaf spring and it's super consistent. And it's kind of what like the X five they copied, they changed it and made it all stainless steel. But under 1200 bucks, the Super Sniper is the only scope that I would recommend. Getting past that, you know, in the, in the mid-tier, the mid um, the RS3 is going to work. The NX8 is definitely going to work. Um, but to me, I work all year long to hunt this particular animal, and I don't want to let a, a scope that's crappy be the reason that uh, I don't get the animal. And that is the weakest link on any long range long range setup is the scope. I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, that's my yeah. answer. Yeah, it did. And that's perfect. Um, and then kind of the last thing I, I had that I just thought about was you don't really, you don't have to reload to be a long range shooter. And I think, um, what would you recommend for like off the shelf or I guess what, what's your preference? Um, you know, this day and age, would you just buy off the shelf or uh-huh. do you still reload? I reload, but you do not. So I'm doing a review right now on the Hornaday, um, their match ammo. I have a 6.5 PRC and a 300 PRC. And this is debated. Everything about this is debated. But I need a – all I want in ammo is it to have a 25 ES. And the ES is extreme spread. So if you have a rifle and you're shooting the ammo – and one shot out of it's 3,000 feet per second, and you shoot 10 shots, and the highest velocity is t- uh, 3,025 feet per second, your extreme spread is 25. What I want to do is just keep it under 25 shooting long range because what happens if you do have an extreme spread is you'll start to get a velocity dispersion. So your velocity, if you shoot one that comes out of the barrel at 2950, it'll be lowered on the target at 1,000 yards than the one that comes out at 3050 if that makes sense. So I want to keep that under 25. And if I can do that, I'm good with everything. And I have found that, that the, uh, match Hornaday match is, is kind of doing it. Sometimes you want to keep in the same lot, but they'll have, sometimes they'll have extreme spread of 50, but most time it's around that 25, 30. And for most people, that's going to be fine out to six, seven, 800 yards. But besides that, I don't know of any loaded ammo, maybe besides the burger ammo, that uh, will do that, keep it the extreme spread low. But 
on the other side of that, there's a lot of companies like boutique companies like Unknown Munitions coming out, unknownmunitions.com. They'll make you any bullet you want at about the same price as a Hornaday match bullet mm. for any recipe you want that's custom loaded. It's it's the I just shot my 6.5 PRC with his ammo, had a 9 ES. So there's those guys, there's Spark Munitions, there's Eagle Eye Ammo that's a sponsor on Rockslide. They're making bullets that are having that low ES that you can just buy that you never had before. You always had to go with whatever the factory, you know, whatever is in Cabela's or Sportsman's Warehouse, you had to buy that. Well, you can call up and order this stuff from those boutique places and get ammo that's fantastic. So it's, no, I, long story short, you don't have to reload to do this. Which is good because I'm reloading, what, illiterate? I just, it freaking, it intimidates me, and I just don't, I don't know. I just, yeah, it, it intimidates me, I guess, more than anything. And I, I thought about, um, I actually talked to him the other day, uh, John Pinch. I think we're going to have him come on and kind of talk about the basics of reloading and that it's not quite the monster that I've built it up to be. Dude, he would be awesome. John Pinch is a monster. He's he's one of the best shooters in the world. Yep. And yep. it's it's not. It's it's not as difficult. You can go watch a lot of videos and just kind of kind of mind fuck yourself and yeah. think, oh my god, I'm never gonna do this. But if you, it's really simple. And the problem is, people take it to one extreme or the other, to where you got to turn next, you got to get it down to the nth degree, and a lot of that stuff doesn't matter. But John Pinch would be a guy that would be able to tell you what's BS and what's not a lot better than I would, anyways. Sweet. And then the last thing that I just thought of, again, for the last thing, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just bipods, super quick. There's, like, I would say the most, uh, like, the Atlas bipods, super popular, and then the Spartans, super popular. And I guess I'm not sure what else besides just, like, the Harris that you can buy at Shields or whatever. I think I own, like, nine bipods. I come back to two all the time. I use the Evolution bipod for most of my, like, zeroing or checking validation but the problem is it's almost a pound and a half i believe and i hunt with a spartan bipod and i've never had an issue shooting a long ways with a spartan bipod so get one i, I think you will have trouble if you're shooting a real heavy rifle on the spartan bipod but i don't think you'll have trouble if you have a tika or you have something that's you know rather light and you're taking to the range and using that spartan I would say 90% of people have no problems using the Spartan. So mm -hmm. I don't want to pack a pound and a half when the Spartan's like six ounces. So that's my, I use that bipod 90% of the time when I'm hunting. Mm -hmm. And then my last, very last question, I promise, is <laughs> uh, what do you like your trigger weight? Oh man, I like it way lighter Light. than most. Yeah. I do, I, yes, I do change it. Like when I get into November and December, if I'm rifle hunting, I'll move it up. I use trigger techs. I really love trigger techs. So I'll hunt with like at a pound and a half in September and October. And then I'll move it to two pounds uh, when I know I'm either going to wear gloves or my hands can be really cold and not feel the trigger. And uh, I think I would, I would, uh, exp I would go out and, and do that for yourself and experiment because two pounds is plenty for most people. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that that's what mine, my 65284 set at. I think it's a little bit under two pounds, actually. Um, and it's a jewel, I want to say. Yeah, it's a jewel trigger. And one of the things that, uh -huh. uh, like when I was filming for Best of the West, they kind of, 
you know, taught me or they, you know, they would teach at the schools or whatnot is when you have a, a light trigger like that, it's almost impossible, I guess, to like really flinch, like really yank that sucker. So if you have somebody shooting with a flinch, it, uh, as long as they can yes. kind of control it. And that's why they always had you like dry fire. Um, if we could, and mm-hmm. if we had time, you know, you dry fire a couple times just to get comfort comfortable with it and try to, you know, just train your mind not to flinch. So when you do need to shoot, you can, you can pull it as nice as you can. But, uh, yeah, that's just one thing that, that they said. So like my dad thinks it's way too light and he doesn't like that, but he, your dad commented, we were at your house. He shot that gun and yeah. it said it, uh, just under two pounds. And he was like, whoo, that, <laughs> I don't remember. He's like, whoo, that's a light trip. And, and you're right. I think if I let a lot of, I take a lot of people hunting with me and, and a lot of people that haven't shot long range and. I always make them shoot the gun before they actually shoot at an animal because, A, I want to make sure that they can actually shoot, you know, decently wrong range. And, and sorry, that's my puppy. Um, the, uh, I say that with a grain of salt. I think if you're with somebody who knows what they can, they're doing, they can, they can cut your learning curve in half and you can make, you know, I always make them prove it first, but if you shoot six, eight, nine hundred yard shots with that person and you're the one that's in charge of the dialing and the range finding, you can definitely take somebody out and they can get right on target super fast. So I don't want to sound like a hypocrite saying, oh, you got to do all this practice. Yeah. If you know somebody that knows what they're doing, you can definitely get jump right in there, especially on the wind calls. Oh, yeah. We didn't really get into wind calling. But that is the most important part of all long range hunting. Yeah, man. And that's that's like the toughest part. And. I grew, well, I don't want to say I grew up, I guess I grew up through the long range world anyways, through those four years that I shot or that I filmed for Best of the West and kind of within that Huskamaw scope, they have like those, they basically have their, I don't know, minutes of wind. And that's kind of the, the beauty of that system. But so I always had like marks on my reticle that I can, I can, Mm -hmm. I don't know, correspond with the wind call or whatever. So going to something that doesn't have those hash marks for the wind that's something a little bit different so like i've never dialed for wind um i've just always held over no i i always go back to i wish companies would have the reticle like the uh best of the west has in their huskamoscopes i wish so i had the huskamoscope as you know yeah. And I liked everything about it. I wish they just would have put more effort into their glass. Yeah, 100%. Because their glass is yeah, it's horrendous. It's I like the resco, but anyways, I like the fact that they had those windage, you know, one-minute windage um, in their the horizontal reticle. And I wish more actual scope companies would go to something simple like that and not have all these big Christmas trees in their scopes. Cause those people, those scopes are more, they're trying to hit both crowds of hunting crowd and the PRS crowd more so the PRS crowd than the, what I'm trying to do. Right. But that's a debate for another day. And I think it's implied that if you do get this gun and you go shoot, you'll find out quick that the wind is your limiting factor. And that is the shoot enough to know when not to shoot. Cause the wind will fuck you. Oh boy. So is kind of interesting. My buddy, um, his dad for my buddy's graduation day from college, he bought him a six or yeah, six, five, two, eighty four from best West. So he, he, he bought the system for him as a gift. So we go out to the range and I think the, this, it was the range in Jackson, Wyoming, and they had a gong out at like 700 yards and 
they they got wind flags up there and I'm looking at them and and I told it whatever I told him I was like all right well I think it's blowing this and you know you should probably hold two minutes <laughs> like two minutes right and he's like dude I'm like off the target and I was like yeah I know but the bullet will hit it I promise and he it was almost like he didn't believe me but he still did it and like his bullet like center punched that gong and he's like oh my god like yeah it's it's important <laughs> Yeah, I think people will learn if you get out to the range real fast. Uh, the elevation, getting a good velocity, that's the simple part. <laughs> the wind makes us all look so stupid at times. I don't care who you are. Oh, yeah, because it's doing, you know, it's going right to left where you're at. And then halfway across that canyon, it's freaking going, I mean, even beyond that, it's pushing down or something. And then beyond that, at the animal, it's going right to left. So you're like making. It's interesting. It's definitely an art, and some people are good at it, and some people are not good at it at all. No, I mean, we go into lots of other things by Mirage and the, what the brush I is know, doing. It's but going too far. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's never-ending battle, but the main factor I want to drive home is you don't have to have a million-dollar gun. Yep. Get something that's easy to find ammo for or easy to reload for. Get a good scope. Get out there and start shooting, and I think the rest will kind of explain itself. Yep, for sure. Well, dude, that that was that was perfect. This is gonna be an awesome, um, awesome episode. Thanks for uh, taking the time to hop on. I appreciate it, Jordan. I know that some people will will balk at it, but those are my those are what I think would be make you successful quickly. So, mm-hmm. thanks for having me on. Yep.